Another embarrassing day for the Bears. This is Locked On Baylor postgame. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Baylor. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. Appreciate you guys joining for the live post game. If you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, I should say, get involved in the comment section. Love to know your thoughts. You always hear my thoughts. We'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on Baylor's 42 to 17 loss. Calling it a loss almost seems too nice. Drubbing at the hands of their arch rivals, the TCU Horn Frogs, and TCU will proudly hoist the Blue Bonnet Battle Trophy <laughs> as the first winners of that prestigious award today. This was another brutal loss. I, I mean, it kind of goes without saying. It's redundant, right? <laughs> You're watching the postgame show. You know it's a loss. You know it was brutal. And without trying to say the same things every week, I, I got to actually go up to Fort Worth today because I hate myself and I, I'm a masochist um, and went up to the game today in Fort Worth. And something that really struck me was, and I said this on Twitter recently, but TCU is like cooler. It's just cooler than Baylor is right now. Just as a general vibe and game day atmosphere, all of it, a brand, absolutely. It is better and cooler than Baylor is right now. Does that mean I would rather go there? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I hate TCU still. Baylor is the best choice I ever made. But I go there and, you know, they've got they've got um, some cool amenities inside the stadium, which is, which is nice. Um, they did have fans in the press box, which was really annoying, like super unprofessional and annoying. And look, I'm not a capital J journalist. In fact, this is what I wore with a vest over it. So you couldn't see the Baylor logos, but this is what I wore inside the press box. But it is weird to have TCU fans cheering at every play, um, three seats down from you when you're in the press box. Um, wasn't fun and got to see those beautiful TCU fans, um, being quite nice to Baylor fans on the way. Look, I mean, that's, that's home field. I'm not going to knock them for that. Um, but it was, when, when you're there and they've got, you know, this this ridiculous video of LaDainian Tomlinson doing the electric slide and, and getting the fans into it. And again, the hypnotoad and uh, even the whatever the lawnmower thing is that all the fans do. Like, at least it's a it's an atmosphere. It's, it's something right. And I wish we could get that at our home games. But Baylor really wants to be lame. I don't I don't understand why. And I'm starting to realize the more we go. It, the more I go along in this Baylor journey that when I was looking at schools, when I was in high school, I got the very peak of Baylor cool. You know, the, the Art Browse offense, the the chrome domes, the, the black uniforms, all of that was very, very cool. And Baylor doesn't have that right now. It's okay that they don't have Art Browse. But speaking of, his son Kendall, who has sabotaged the Baylor season before, um, can now thank Baylor because they saved his job today. They saved his job as the TCU offensive coordinator. I'm not kidding when I say this. There was a guy in the section in front of us, below the press box, who was wearing a homemade shirt that said, Fire Bryles. 
And his offense gashes Baylor for over 500 yards today and 42 points. This OC they want to fire, they might build a statue for because of what he did to Baylor today. He even got Chandler Morris into the game. That's how bad it was. Sawyer Robertson got in the game too. Good for him. Josh Hoover, 24 of 29 on the day, 412 passing yards. Two touchdowns for a 225 rating on 83% completions. That is so beyond embarrassing. The embarrassing word, it, it, it does not do it justice. 531 yards for the Frogs, 431 through the air. Uh, barely ever penalized, only five penalties in the whole game. Um, and how about this? Yards per completion. Yards per completion for the TCU Horned Frogs, 16.6. Whew. I love my people at Locked On, and I don't want to get demonetized on YouTube, but it's taking everything I have to not just rip a whole line of cuss words about how freaking bad this performance was and how bad this defense is. You thought it was just the run defense? Think again, brother. Josh Hoover's a decent quarterback. He's got some talent. He's a young kid. And he threw for 431 against you. Or the team did. He threw for 412. Almost perfect and six, almost 17 yards per pass completion. Do you know how bad that is? That's a 6A school against a 3A school. That's what that is. Okay, that is Duncanville versus Little River Academy. I don't know. They just gashed them. They shouldn't have been in the same conference as TCU. And TCU, by the way, still needs to go on the road to Oklahoma next week and win to make a bowl game. And you shouldn't even be in the same stadium as them. That's how bad this is. You're not facing a playoff-bound team. You're facing a team that is scratching and clawing for every win to get back into a bowl game. And that's how bad this is. I don't know that the vibes have ever been lower. I really don't. This is awful. And to make it worse, on the ride home, I get to see that Northwestern has made a bowl game. Northwestern. Uh, look, hand up, a great blue blood of college football to begin with, right? And then, what, three weeks before the season, they have to fire their winningest coach in the history of the program? The guy who was the face of the program in their 20 years with this massive scandal going on in their locker room. This was the most third rail touch and combustible program that was in college football this year. And they're going to a bowl game. What the hell is Baylor's excuse? Northwestern can do it. This just feels as bad as it gets. 1-11 and 2-7 aside. This is piss poor awful. And I feel bad for the players. I really do. Of course there's some onus on them. But I was at the game today. There was effort today. There absolutely was. But they're not good enough. And they were not put in a, they were not put in a situation to win. Again. Again. But hey, they had great practices. They said it after the game. They just didn't take it to Saturday. Stop me if you've heard that one before. 
there was no reason, no reason at all that Baylor shouldn't have been in this game today. No reason at all. They go up 7-0. It's only 14-10 at halftime, and they were lucky to be at that. The first five drives, this is from Travis Roeder, by the way, my, my guy Travis Roeder, who, who is also not happy about this performance. The first five drives for TCU, they got inside the Baylor five-yard line. <laughs> Do you know how bad that is? That's so terrible. That's so terrible. First five drives, you are giving them a goal to go. That's pathetic. Let's go through some comments here. Chris McCray, Grimes has to go. Dave has to go. Everyone has to go. I can't disagree with that. I wish I could. I honestly thought, and we I did leave the game a little bit early today uh, to get home and do this post game for you guys. There was some traffic on the way home. Um, but I was worried that I was going to miss you know, the post-game press conference, and it was going to be Mac Rhodes coming out to the microphone. This cannot go on. This cannot go on. And I guess it doesn't really make a difference if it's this week or next week at this point. Well, we've talked about the coaching search before. I'll talk about it again this week. You are behind there too. And it's, again, the same crap every week of, hey, we we had a good week of practice. Uh <laughs> How are we supposed to know that? How are we supposed to know that? How are we supposed to know that? And I got the most perfect Dave Aranda tweet today. Michael Haig, who is in the mud all the time with the Baylor Lariat. He's sticking around there. He's asking questions out there. He tweets, where is it? Okay. Baylor head coach Dave Aranda said the West Virginia game is another opportunity to compete and put together a complimentary, spelled wrong there, Michael, get on that, game across all four quarters. Quote, we need to be way hungry, way motivated, way focused, and way together. Are we still playing this game? We're still doing this crap. We don't win on the field. We don't win in practice. We don't even win the damn press conference. It's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing right now. And yeah, they are one of the worst teams in Power Five. And the team, to make it worse, you lost to Texas State, right? Let's let's take a check on that Texas State score, if you haven't seen that today. Hmm. And, and with that, too, you think, okay, well, maybe there's a silver lining here of G.J. Kinney is one of the hot young coaches. Maybe he's going to come your way. Texas State lost to Arkansas State, which Jones is Arkansas State. Again, notable powerhouse, teams with the same record. And nope, this isn't a basket, high school basketball score. They lost 77 to 31. They outgained Arkansas State and lost 77 to 31 and gave up 400 yards on the ground. You lost to that team and you want that coach potentially. Ooh, this is as bad as it gets. This is so bad. Scotty B, there will be changes on the Baylor staff. It's a matter of an extent, like only the assistants or the head coach or both. And we have seen this before with other teams where they will just clear house on the coordinators and keep the head coach there. I don't think you can do that here. It starts at the top. Baylor needs a complete overhaul, a complete overhaul of this football program. 
It's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. The the whole staff needs to go. This cannot be acceptable. And I know Dave says it's not acceptable, but actions speak louder than words, and you put the same crap out there every week. And again, I feel bad for these players. And there's been a question of effort at some points this season, and I almost don't even put that on them. Because again, these are 19, 20-year-old kids. It's a young team, but... There, there is an onus on the coaches to light a fire under these guys and get them to play and, and, and get them to be jacked up on the sideline. There is some of that. And they don't do it. And it's week after week after week after week after week. And so I think you got to get rid of them all. you got to cut the bait here. And of course, as we've said week after week, the only debate is whether they can afford it. The only debate is whether they can afford it. You just can't keep these guys around. They might be nice guys. I know they have families. We wanted this to work. We all wanted this to work. It has not worked. It doesn't work. Thank you for the comment, Scotty and Chris. Um, oh, I'm so fired up. <laughs> this is going to look so embarrassing, by the way. When TCU does lose next week, Actually, kind of hope they win to make sure Oklahoma doesn't go into the Big 12 championship game. But when TCU does lose next week and they're not at a bowl game and their most lopsided Power 5 victory of the season is against their arch rival. In these piss yellow mustard banana split uniforms. Ugh. God, this is so bad. This is so bad. Oh, I got another comment from Scotty. Hold on, I got you here. Got you here. I don't know if it makes sense to get rid of the coaches right after this game or a week from now. Yeah, I would dare say till till a week from now because of the players who could enter the transfer portal right away. Yeah, um, that was probably before what I said about it. But yeah, I, I don't know if it makes too much of a difference now. Two weeks ago, it would have made a big difference. Would have made a big difference. And now the guy who should be your number one guy, Jeff Trailer, has already interviewed at AM. Haven't heard anything on Mike Elko, who was the slam dunk hire. We've heard that trailers interviewed there. You're not going to win that war. You're not going to win that battle. <laughs> Jeff Trailer ain't coming to, coming to Baylor over A&M because the boosters are a little nicer here. No way. No way, pal. On the plus side, we didn't have to bring home that ugly trophy. That's right. We didn't. Loser keeps the trophy. And TCU, if you do anything for me, because you don't, you beat the crap out of my team every year. You're my least favorite team. You're my least favorite fans. But if you do something for me, just get rid of that trophy. Please, please get rid of that trophy. <laughs> Anything. Next year, call it something different. Yeah, they did lose to Colorado, who stinks. Who stinks, by the way. Yeah. Jeremy, would it be the worst thing in the world for this roster to have a complete overhaul firing or uh, following Aranda getting fired? No, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, again, I'll, I'll defend these players a little bit. And I was, I was so happy to see that Caden Jenkins says he's going to stick around. That's a foundational kind of player on your defense. Um, but me, especially with the, with the, with the college portion of things, it's, it's more on the coaches than it is on the players nine times out of 10, especially at a program like Baylor, where you're not like A&M is bringing in five-star recruits all the time. So there's a little bit more onus on the players there. Um, still obviously a lot on Jimbo Fisher, but um, I think it's more on the coaches here. So, yeah, 
we can see we can see culture changes from one year to the next with a new coach in there. You know, I'm sure the Duke fans were saying we need to get all these players out of here too. And then they bring in Mike Elko and they win eight games and go to a bowl game. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so I don't think they were complaining about the players after that. Or or, you know, they could have been saying it after Dave Aranda went two and seven, but they kept the players around. They had the best season in Baylor history the next year. So it is more on the coach. I would rather see the coach gone. Thank you, Jeremy S., which definitely doesn't stand for Sohan or anything. Tony, at what point do we consider that S and C, strength and conditioning, I'm guessing, is seriously underperforming? I think we've been at that point. I think we've been at that point. Now, Kaz Kazadi is not the answer. Don't need to bring him back. Um, good at what he does, but don't need to bring him back here to Baylor. Um, it is underperforming. Yes. And that is a mark, one of the marks of a bad defense, especially a bad rushing defense. Okay. And, and, and I mean, you see it a lot of weeks. I saw it against tech. Mainly the offensive line got beaten up. <laughs> I know crazy. Um, and the differences of the defensive, the size of the defensive backs versus the receivers at tech. Okay. This isn't an excuse anyway, but it's not like we're talking about Texas. Or Oklahoma, We're talking about tech again, not an excuse. You play in the same conference, um, and they just got little guys out there. They really do, and yeah, I think that is a portion of it, especially when you're one of the worst rush defenses in the nation. Um, that you got to point to strength and conditioning. I don't know how big it is, but it certainly would be a start to to get that on track. Roman Productions. Is there anyone on the roster that you feel has played their tail off all season and had success? Yeah, and I've got criticized for this, for maybe uh, pumping this guy up too much, but Blake Shapin's the only one. Uh, Monterey Baldwin, a little bit. He called out his teammates, but I don't know. I've seen him sh stop short on a couple routes this year. I don't think the performance has been there from Drake Dabney, but he has shown some serious flashes. So um, I don't know. Matt Jones has had some excellent flashes this year. But on the other hand... If he's the captain of this defense, the quarterback of this defense is one of the worst defenses in power five. Can I just say that this guy's given it the all all the time? I hope he is. I know these kids aren't quitting, but yes, there's been effort questions in, in this season for sure. Um, and I don't think it, that was the case today. I don't. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It is concerning to go through the roster and say, hey, you know, how many of these guys have lived up to expectations? Let's put it that way. Lived up to expectations this season. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good point. <laughs> this is a good question. Why, why, why are we bringing Blake Shapin back out onto the field when down 42 to 17? Great question. Because then some things like this happen where he's hurt and he's being, Dave said after the game, being evaluated in his chest, and in his head. Hmm. You know, an ankle is pretty easy to recover from in the grand scheme of things. A chest or a head injury, not fantastic, especially when you're down 25 points in a game that's completely unwinnable. Great question, Jeremy. Answer for me, I have no freaking clue why he was out there. And I feel bad for Blake. I would have felt bad for anyone that got hurt out there. I think Brooks Miller got hurt late in the game when it was still somewhat in doubt. Um, you don't like seeing that either. But it's, it's a, I hope it opens up the coach's eyes to not put their guys out there when the game is, is done and dusted and you have literally nothing to play for other than your job, Dave. 
and your staff's jobs. So, yeah, I didn't like seeing that either. And I really hope he's okay. Um, if he's not even close to 100% or 80% or 70%, shouldn't have him out there next week. There is no gain to having him out there next week. Whatever the ship is for Dave and this coaching staff, whether it's being fired or not, which is very a real possibility here of not getting fired, the ship has sailed, whatever ship it is. Blake just can't stay healthy. He's had, he's had some hard luck, I will say. And there are guys who just have that hard luck. Um, I would say, you know, the, the, the concussion last year was kind of out of the blue. It was a dirty hit. I think the kid got ejected for it at West Virginia. And this year, um, it's been two effort plays that he's gotten hurt on. So, you know, he's not trying to get hurt, but he's he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, it does It is something you need to take into consideration when looking at your future plans. But for me, Scotty, Blake's your quarterback. Blake is your quarterback. And I know you're not saying that per se, uh, but for me, he is he is the quarterback. Also, also from Scotty. Also frustrating that Texas Tech made a bowl game. They got lucky to get there. Kansas played a third-string quarterback last week. Yeah, they got some breaks. They barely beat UCF today. Uh, but I think what's frustrating about that, Scotty, is coming into the season or even looking at it on paper, I don't think there's anything outside of the running back position that Tech does way better than Baylor does. They've had problems on the line. Um, they've had pro more problems at quarterback than Baylor's had this year. They've had problems defensively, and yet they are going to a bowl game with one game to spare in the regular season. Um, and I saw someone commenting on Twitter saying, you know, that, that, um, that Joey McGuire faced or beat Texas and OU in year one and is going to make a bowl game in year two. And I wanted to say back, he made a bowl game in year one. In fact, he had two years and two bowl games. And then and they've still got some gripes with him. Some tech fans have some gripes with him out there. So I'll take that in a heartbeat at this point. So that that's that's what's frustrating. That's what's frustrating is that tech looks the same to you on paper, and yet they are going to a bowl game and you are not. And what is most embarrassing is seeing Kendall Bryles be able to just stick it, stick it to Baylor. Again, they say Baylor saved his job today, saved his job. One last gift from us to you, Kendall. So this brings up the question, because I think a lot of us, whether it's true or not, will say the, the coach is gone. We're looking for a new head coach. I know I've I've put myself in that position just to see what, what's out there. It's still trailer number one, but the conversation came up this week and with a few fans on Twitter. I believe uh, Connor Martin was one of them, um, who is a really thoughtful guy, former kicker for Baylor, um, doesn't throw just out there takes for out there takes. And um, said, Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson this week on ESPN Central Texas, the Matt Mosley show said, I'm ready to coach again. I got a staff. I'm ready to go. I'm not done. I'm not sailing off into the sunset. I'm getting better at golf, but it's not my hobby now. It's not my full-time job. I'm ready to coach. And some people got on that on Twitter. Is Gary Patterson a candidate to be at Baylor? <laughs> that would be unbelievable. And awesome. <laughs> Could you have a coach who has a statue at TCU coaching at Baylor? I would take it in a heartbeat. I'd take it in a heartbeat. He's one of the best coaches of his generation, one of the best of my lifetime. Complete, 
completely turned around that program from being dead as a doornail and in the Mountain West to national relevance, not only in the Mountain West, but also in the Big 12? Yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. Never been wrapped up in a major scandal? I'll take that. I don't know if this is about Patterson or not, but Jeremy says, I do not think Baylor can hire yet another defensive coach. This program needs more excitement that would bring at least in the short term. That that would bring in at least in the short term. Um, to me, that, that doesn't really matter. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It's exciting to bring in an offensive coach. Um, obviously, we've, we've seen that in the past with Baylor. That's what turned the program around. Um, I don't know that college football programs are are the same as they were when Art took over. And I mean, you see it. The, the game is past Kendall Bryles by when he's not playing Baylor. Um, it's it's And Chip Kelly, another one I said, the game is past him by. It's not quite as easy as that is anymore. Um, I think the way to get people on board is to win football games. And people were on board with Matt Rule, who had his problems, sure, never beat a ranked team, uh, but was certainly building something. Um, and the fans are on board with it. He was a defensive guy. So... To me, it doesn't matter. And in fact, I, I mentioned it on the show last week, the two best um, coordinators, I think, on the market are defensive guys. And that is uh, Minter at Michigan and Schumann at Georgia, who also coached under Saban in Alabama, too. Um, yeah, Scott, Scotty says it, too. I, I would go more for the offensive guy after the last two. I, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I just don't know that it's that easy anymore. Uh, to do versus what it was when Art came in in 2008. And it took a couple of years, but said, I'm going to build this system and we're going to become contenders through that. And he was absolutely right. And it worked. From Chris, not wanting to overreact, more of a question, but how warm is Max seat? Just curious. I don't think it's that warm. Uh, I know a lot of people will disagree with me out there, but when I look at the track record for Mac, it's really one miss. And that's Dave Aranda. And as I've said time and time again, um, hindsight is 2020 on that one. Um, I would have made the same decision at, at the time. Um, and he got us to where we needed to be in the, in the very short term, but hasn't done it afterwards. So that would be categorized as a miss. But to me, that's the only one. Um, we'll see with, with Mitch Thompson. That was a slam dunk hire for baseball. Um, the, women's basketball is a conference contender again. You know, you don't, so many programs replace one of the all-time greats with shambles. Uh, ask North Carolina, the men's team. Obviously didn't last long, but um, was it Matt Doherty who came in after Dean Smith and they were mid as hell for a couple of years. So to bring in someone who is A, won the Big 12 championship in year one um, and is a conference contender again with her whole team in there, um, I don't think that's a miss either. Uh, again, keeping Scott Drew in the building is big. Um um, softball had a good season last year, bouncing back. Scotty says the women's soccer coach that Mac hired made progress this year, year two. That's certainly another one on the up and up. Um, volleyball made a final four under Max tutelage, not a guy he hired in Ryan McGuire, but gave them the tools to succeed. So no, I don't, I don't think Max seat is that warm. Um, of course, football is the engine and that's what people see, especially from the outside. And that is not in a good place right now. It's not, but I think Mac is okay. Um, but this is the decision of maybe not his career, but of his tenure at Baylor is coming up in the next few days here. This is this is the decision that makes or breaks. And um, something that I think I think it was Drake that put out over the last week, which I think is actually a good point. 
is we flash back to a year ago, and this is kind of the silver lining for the positive fans out there. Um, West Virginia was just counting down the days to get rid of Neil Brown, and they couldn't because they couldn't afford his buyout. And he had to stick around another year. And they went from four and eight to potentially when they beat Baylor next Saturday, eight and four. And they are turned around big time. The team that was picked to finish dead last in the conference this year is comfortably going to a bowl game. They've already clinched a bowl game. So uh, there is a silver lining there that, that, that has worked in the past. Um, I don't know that that's going to work here at Baylor, but I think that is a good, um, is a good kind of comparison there. Um, teams that were in very similar situations. So anyway, that's going to do it for the post game show today. I really appreciate you guys coming along and tuning in. I, I know it's not always fun after these, uh, terrible losses. It's not fun for me either. Um, it's, it's actually kind of depressing to do this every week, but, uh, I really appreciate you got you guys tuning in. Uh, we're going to talk more on Monday uh, about the the coaching search and more about this Gary Patterson thing because I'm intrigued by it. Crazier things have happened, um, and I want to talk about that a little bit more and who these candidates should be and and what Baylor should look for in a coach. Because we've had that discussion here in the comments here. Should they can can they go with another coordinator? Um, even if it's a defensive guy who's a head coach, should they think offense instead? I'd love to talk about that. So we're going to cover that this week. We've also got Baylor basketball this week. Uh, facing Oregon State up in Brooklyn. So that's going to be a ton of fun, positive vibes. Um, as Scotty said in the comments earlier in the uh, earlier in the show, ladies have Harvard on Sunday at, I think it's 1 p.m. Um, that's a fun team to watch, man, this, these, these Lady Bears. I'm so excited uh, to get back out to the Farrell and see them this season. But thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. This has been and will be for quite some time, at least as long as I'm here. Locked on Baylor.